0: Welcome back to episode 44 of the Combat Review. In this episode, a little bit of news. We've got some fight announcements coming up. uh, that We go through, we have got a little bit of my thoughts around Leon Edwards and what he's supposed to do next. We have... A little bit on Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. And, of course, we have the fallout from UFC 265 this past weekend, which was headlined by Derek Lewis versus Cyril Garn, which had some major implications on the future of the heavyweight division. So you can follow us on Instagram at uh, the Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores on Twitter at Combat Review and on YouTube at the Combat Review channel. I hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) We've got some fight announcements. I do like when a whole raft of fight announcements come out. It's my favorite. So at UFC Fight Night, October 23rd, Paolo Costa takes on Marvin Vittori. Very excited about that fight, Um, although I think I know what's going to happen. Marvin Vittori is going to attempt to wrestle him, and Paolo Costa has got some serious uh, points to prove after his uh, loss to... Uh, style bender, and also his performance at pulling out of fights because of money and all that other rubbish. Um, UFC 267 Abu Dhabi October the 30th is Rafael Dos Anjos versus Islam Makachev, which has been added to the card. That's a big fight. Obviously, Dos Anjos is a big name. Islam Makachev is a rising star. Um, also on that card, Marcin Tybura has been booked versus Alexander Volkov, which is a very good fight for Marcin Tybura. Um, obviously, trying to continue to uh, increase his upward trajectory up the UFC heavyweight division. Um, Luke Rockhold has been finally gifted a fight at UFC 268 live from New York City, New York. On the 6th of November, he will take on Sean Strickland. Um, Sean Strickland, of course, fresh over his victory over Uriah Hall. Um, And I'm very high on Sean Strickland at the moment. Really, really enjoy watching him fight. Uh, we also have got Ovin de saint prue back in action for some reason versus Felipe Linz. Uh, that will take place at UFC fight night uh, on November the 30th. Um, Cody Garbrandt has been booked against Kai Kara France in the flyweight division, which is on the 11th of December. So we will see Cody Garbrandt back in action. Um, so some real interesting fights that have been made um, and good to see. We also have which a fight which we kind of knew that we were getting. Um, on September the 4th, Darren Till will take on Derek Brunson. This will be live at the UFC Apex, but it will be on UK time. Um, they've done this because it was originally scheduled to be in uh, the O2. Obviously, COVID restrictions, meaning that the UFC couldn't hold the event in the UK. So what they have done is put the timing on at UK time so that we can all watch it. It'll probably be about... I oh, know, 8 o'clock kickoff. Kick <laughs> yeah, let's call it kickoff. Uh, probably 7 or 8 o'clock kickoff in the UK, maybe 9, 10 o'clock main events, something like that. But I like the fact that the UFC have done that and they've given us something to hold on to. Nicer than was on it. Dana White was asked <clears throat> at the UFC 265 press conference about Leon Edwards. And he, he basically was asked if Leon Edwards should take another fight before fighting for the title or waiting for the title um and dana said he thinks it's a good idea now of course leon edwards has had a bit of a rocky ride excuse the pun it's of course his nickname where he didn't fight for um almost two years probably 20 months and then he fought balal muhammad in march 2021 and of course he fought pretty much a round and a half and then the fight ended in no contest because of an eye poke he then took a fight two months later against Nate diaz uh was winning the entire fight apart from the last minute and a half where he almost got finished so and i had this argument that yes leon edwards might have won uh, seven or eight in a row or whatever it was before that no contest um should he get a title shot and I said of course he shouldn't he's beat no one inside the top 10 or inside the top nine at the time I think it was of course he's got a victory over Vincente Luque which now as time has gone on looks looks a bit more impressive especially with his performance against Tyron Woodley and Michael Chiesa this past weekend so I do understand that but uh the elephant in the room I guess is uh Gilbert Burns Gilbert Burns sits second in the welterweight division ranked You've got Colby Covington, who's next for Kamara Usman sits number one, which has already been discussed. And you've also got George Masvidal, where he has slipped down to seventh. You've still got that fight out there for Leon Edwards, considering what happened at the 0-2 back when uh, Masvidal beat Darren Till. So I don't think Leon Edwards should get a title shot because he has not beat any of those names that I've just reeled off for you. Um, I would like to see... Uh, Gilbert Burns versus Leon Edwards I think if you go on Twitter um, Gilbert Burns has called for that fight and I think Gilbert Burns has been quite smart here because he's looking at who's around him in the division, he knows that Colby Covington is going to get the next shot and he's worried that Leon Edwards will get the shot after him so he's calling out Leon Edwards he wants to fight Leon Edwards if he can beat Leon Edwards and there's no one in his way to deny him that rematch with Kamara Usman Um, I think Usman's going to beat Covington again. I think we're probably going to see more of the same. I think Usman's too good. Um, I don't think Leon Edwards is the answer to beat Kamara Usman. To be honest with you, looking at that division, I don't think there is an answer in that division to beat Kamara Usman. And I know that time eventually means that someone will beat him. But in the next 6, 12, 18 months, I don't see that there. But what I do see is a load of interesting matchups with people like Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, Vincente Luque in there. And of course, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is still um, relevant. So I like what Gilbert Burns is doing. And I think Leon Edwards should take that fight if he really is the best. If you're the best, it doesn't matter who's got the belt. You should be able to beat everyone and you should take every fight. I don't buy into this being smart and waiting because you can already see the landscape laid out in front of you and it's not going to be easy to get that title shot. August 29th, Tyron Woodley takes on Jake Paul in a boxing match live on Showtime. And if you are at all interested in any of that, they've made a promo video for it. Um, And it's really cheesy, which I'm a little bit disappointed at. Um, I... I, I, (sighs) I've been a little bit excited for this, and to be fair, I thought it was at the start of August, and either, either I'm an idiot or they've moved it, but I'm pretty sure it was at the start of August and they changed the date. In any event, um, I was quite excited about it a month ago, then I didn't really hear anything about it, and now they've made a, a promo video for it. So I thought, brilliant promo video, I'll click on it and I'll watch it, and it is trash. Like, it's really bad. They haven't used any clips of them falling out or having arguments or none of the press conference stuff. They've, they've done none of that. It's like some weird computerized tosh. So I guess I'm telling you it's out there. If you want to watch it, go and watch it. But I wouldn't bother. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So we had UFC 265 this weekend live from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, which was a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful uh, impression of a Texan accent there. Uh, that was obviously headlined by Cyril Garn versus Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, of course, hailing from Houston, Texas itself. Uh, I don't think that's the first time Derek Lewis has fought in Houston. But I'm pretty sure it's the first time he's lost in Houston. Um, He also beat Ilir Latifi uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, He also fought in Austin, Texas versus Marcin Tybura. And I'm pretty sure inside the UFC, oh, there we go, Victor Pesta. He TKO'd at UFC 192 back in 2015, also in Houston, Texas. Uh, And prior to that, he did fight in Houston again, but it was legacy fight uh, championships so I'll run through the card and then we'll have a few discussion points about some of the uh, finer things that happened in the event so we'll start at the early prelim card uh, which had Melissa Gatto defeat Victoria Leonardo Vaitico in the second round Uh, the bantamweight division Miles Johns defeated Anderson Dos Santos via knockout in the third round Uh, Manel Capet uh, defeated O'Day Osborne by uh, flying knee. Which, if you haven't seen that, go and watch it. Fantastic finish, uh, first round knockout. Moving into the prelim card, uh, Jessica Penne defeated Karolina Kovalkovich, which is a shame because I like Karolina uh, by a submission in the first round in the light heavyweight division. Alonzo Manyfield defeated Ed Herman by unanimous decision. This is the start of the avalanche of unanimous decisions that happened in the bantamweight division Vince Morales defeated Draco Rodriguez via unanimous decision in the lightweight division Rafael Fiziev or Fiziev probably more likely defeated Bobby Green by unanimous decision we then move on to the main card and in the bantamweight division Song Yadong defeated Casey Kenny in a split decision which was actually a very very good fight um, go back and watch that one if you get the chance um, really impressive performance by Song Yudong and Casey Kenny didn't really look out of sorts. Casey Kenny was all upset after the fight. He was on top of the cage claiming that he'd won. He didn't win. Uh, I think the decision was pretty spot on. I know it was a split decision. One judge had it 30 27, which I kind of thought it was 30 27 to, to Song Yudong, but it was very close 30 27. So if you give one round to, to Casey Kenny, no one can really argue with it. Um, but I think it was the right decision overall. In the women's strawweight division, Tisha Torres defeated Angela Hill by unanimous decision. Um, Vincente Luque defeated Michael Chiesa via Darce choke. Jose Aldo defeated Pedro Munoz by uh, unanimous decision. And Cyril Garn defeated Derek Lewis by TKO. So there's a couple of things that I want to go through. Um, First things first, I want to touch on the welterweight division, which, of course, was Vincente Luque defeating Michael Chiesa. Now, I was never really too high on Vincente Luque. I always kind of thought that he wasn't really ever going to go anywhere or he was kind of going to be one of those guys that just bounces around mid-table. But since his uh, since his inception in the UFC... Um, he's kind of gone on like a big old win streak. And then when he's fought someone of substance, he's ended up losing. And then he has to build himself back up again. So for example, he beat, uh, he went on a four fight win streak and and then lost to Leon Edwards. And then he went on a six fight win streak that included wins over people like Brian Barberina and Mike Perry, which are, you know, names, but they're not names. They're not top tier talent. Um, And then he lost to Stephen Thompson. So after losing to Stephen Thompson, he's had to go away and he's had to build himself back up again. And he has obviously beaten Nico Price along the way. His most notable victory for me uh, was against Tyron Woodley um, back in uh, early 2021. I think it was March-ish time, uh, which you know showed that he could kind of take a punch. It showed he could beat a former champion. And I know that Tyron Woodley wasn't Tyron Woodley when he beat him. But it was still a really, really impressive performance. And when you go now and you look at the welterweight division, well, Vincente Luque currently six, sits number six. Um, he is sitting just behind Michael Chiesa, who, of course, he just beat, and quite handedly so. Um, I know that during the fight Michael Chiesa had uh, Luque's back, and it, it it looked a little bit serious for, for a couple of uh, a couple of seconds for probably two times. It was like, all, oh, but he managed to get out of it. Now, when he did get out of it, this, this was only a three minute fight. Um, when he did get out of it, Luque sunk it a dash so quickly. I, I don't even think I'd blame Michael Chiesa for it. Obviously, he left it open, but it, it's just what I think it's just one of Vincente Luque's sort of um, impressive finishes. I mean, if you look down his. <laughs> you looked at his uh, his uh, uh, record. So you've got Anaconda choke in 2013, Anaconda choke in 2015, Das choke in 2016, Das choke in 2017, Das choke against Tyron Woodley, and Das choke against Michael Chiesa. So I guess you can't really hold it against Michael Chiesa for getting caught by that Das because. I mean, it's one of his moves, and even the anaconda choke—they're so similar. Um, it's just a different entry point. So, very, very, very impressive performance from Vincente Luque, and I'm now looking at him, and I'm—I want to see him fight Jorge Masvidal. I wouldn't mind seeing him rematch Stephen Thompson. I want to see him fight Gilbert Burns. I wouldn't mind seeing it—seeing him rematch Leon Edwards. So all of a sudden, you kind of look at the top five in that welterweight division. And I'm kind of interested in a lot of those fights for, for Vincente Luque now, whereas two or three fights ago, I really wasn't. Um, so that just kind of goes to show the uh, the way that his performance went and the way that his previous couple of performances have gone, that Vincente Luque is now carving himself um, a place in that welterweight division. And you look, he's only 29. So he's got a good couple of years left at, at the, uh, the top rung, as it were. But very, very impressive performance, uh, impressive performance from Vincente Luque. As far as Michael Chiesa goes, I mean, he came up to welterweight. Uh, he has done well at welterweight. He's 33, so a couple of years older than Chiesa. Um, when he moved to welterweight, he had a couple of victories over RDA and Neil Magny, um I'm going to completely ignore the victory over Diego Sanchez. And I, I guess we can count the Carlos Condit one, which was his first one back. Um, but, you know, Neil Magmi, very impressive. Now he's lost to Luque. He's got to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Interestingly enough, um, Chiesa is still fifth and Luque sixth. I don't quite know if that's not updated or if uh, they just haven't put Luque above Chiesa, but I would be because he just beat him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on that fight. As far as Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz goes, everyone is sort of singing that Jose Aldo's back and this is a new version of him. Of course, he has just recently uh, dropped down a weight division, which when a fighter normally does that, I kind of get a little bit scared. Uh, back in 2019 was when he did it. He dropped down to uh, bantamweight, but he lost to Marlon Moraes. He got TKO by Peter Yan, um, He did beat Marlon Vera, and uh, he obviously decisioned Pedro Munoz. But when you look at the bantamweight division, Peter Yan, Aldo's already lost to. TJ Dillashaw, I can't see Aldo beating TJ Dillashaw. I can't see Aldo beating Corey Sanhagen. I can't see Aldo beating Rob Font. I'm touch and go as to whether he could beat Cody Garbrandt. I wouldn't mind seeing Aldo versus Frankie Edgar, um, but I think that's where his level is. I wouldn't even mind seeing Aldo versus Dominic Cruz. But, you know, I understand that Jose Aldo, uh, he's obviously no longer in his pomp and he's 34, but he's an old 34. And what I mean by an old 34 is that he's had a 17-year career his career started in 2004 at Eco Fight 1 in Brazil. You know, fast forward 17 years, and I don't know how many times he's fought in the WEC and the UFC, but he has been spattered with losses. TK lost to P.T. Yan, TK lost to Max Holloway twice, T- uh, knockout by Colin McGregor, and he's getting up there in age. So if I'm Jose Aldo and if I'm the UFC, I don't want to be pushing this guy towards the title again because it almost it's a little bit annoying when you know there's an interim title fight up for grabs or someone pulls out of a title fight and they ring Jose Aldo just because he's a name. There's only so many times you can do that uh before it kind of discredits the person that's winning that belt. Um and I I don't want to I don't want to sort of shit on Jose Aldo here. That's not that's not my intention of what I am trying to articulate to you. But what I'm trying to say is there's a level that he's at, and I can promise you the level he is at, as good as his boxing looked last night, you know, um, and he's been training with him, the military or whatever, whatever he's been doing, as great as that all is, he is not beating P.E. and TJ Dillis or Corey Sanhagen or Rob Font. He's just not. Put him against Cody Garbrandt, fine. Put him against Frank Yeager. Put him against Dominic Cruz. Those are three fights I would be interested in seeing Jose Aldo in. As far as Pedro Munoz goes, he's just one of those guys in that division, I think. Um, he's going to win some. He's going to lose some. Every time he fights someone uh, of, of real talent, he loses, i.e. Algermaine Sterling, uh, Frank Yeager, Jose Aldo. Um, He does have a victory over Rob Font, but that was four years ago. And Rob Font is not the same fighter he was four years ago. And I would also suggest that Pedro Munoz is not the same fighter that he was four years ago. So, yeah, I I don't want to – it sounds like I've just watched that fight and gone, yeah, but Jose Aldo is not that good because Pedro Munoz is quite bad. Um, And that actually probably (laughs) is the case. Um, But it is what it is. Well done to Jose Aldo. good victory, but not a great victory. Pedro Munoz, back to the drawing board, mate. I'm sure you'll fight someone outside the top 10, beat them, then drop back into the top 10, and then lose again. Um, That said, it was a very good fight if you haven't watched it after I've just totally taken it to task. Um, If you you, want to go back and watch a pretty good stand-up fight, there it is. Now we move on to the main event, and I was a little bit disappointed that they did the interim title. Um, Obviously, it is the UFC's decision, and I didn't get upset by it like a lot of people did. I understood it to a to a degree, but I just don't think they needed to do it. Um, of course, they did it. And really and truthfully, it was the number one and number two best heavyweights outside of the champion that fought. Um, and we've seen this. So, so basically, I'll, I'll run you through what happened in the fight. It ended in the third round by TKO. Um Derek Lewis did what Derek Lewis does sometimes. And I, so before I go on this little rant, I adore Derek Lewis. I think he's fantastic. I love watching him fight. He's funny. You know, His some of his finishes, particularly when I go back and think of his victory over uh, Alexander Volkov, um, his knockouts of Neck and his knockout of Curtis Blades, and his knockout of Travis Brown, and all of those other fantastic performances that he's put in. We have, however, seen a few times from Derek Lewis that he doesn't quite fancy it. Um, And when he doesn't quite fancy it, we get a performance like we got on Saturday night where he was standoffish, he was uh, a little bit deer in the headlights, he was caught up uh, by Cyril Garn's movement, And he didn't quite believe deep down that he thought he could beat Cyril Garn as far as I could tell. Um, And we saw that against Mark Hunt back in 2017. And we saw that against Junior Dos Santos um, where Derek Lewis got TKO'd. And to a certain extent, we saw that against Daniel Cormier, although I'm willing to forego that one um, because it it wasn't that bad. But... You know, he's put on a four-fight win streak. He's got another chance at a a UFC heavyweight title, and he's come up short. Um, And I I don't really hold that against him because I think he's fantastic. But he didn't really get going against Cyril Garn. And once Cyril Garn realised that, um, he finished him, and not even that impressively. He landed a couple of shots, and Derek did not like that. Um, He complained that he got poked in the eye when he didn't. He just got a stiff jab. Um... And it's just, it's just a little bit shit to see when you sort of see the home, the hometown guy, um, in his in his hometown in front of his own fans, his own crowd, family there, and all that other sorts of stuff. Just not really show up, um, and that is what happened. Derek Lewis didn't really show up, and I, I'm trying not to take too much away from Cyril Garne because he went in there and he beat the guy that's in front of him, and that's all he's done in his MMA career. And even, you know, he entered the UFC when he was three and zero. Um, and he's beaten people like Junior Dos Santos, Shazina Rosenstruck, Alexander Volkov, and now Derek Lewis. So you can't deny him his seat at the head of the UFC heavyweight division. But at the same time, it just wasn't it wasn't the victory I expected to see. So. There we go. But you can only beat who's in front of you. So that was pretty much a rundown of UFC 265. Um, what's next for Cyril Garn? Well, he'll fight Francis Ngarnou for the heavyweight belt. Obviously, Stipo Miocic is sitting there. Uh, he hasn't fought. I would like to see him fight John Jones and the winner to fight the winner of Garn versus Ngarnou. But the heavyweight division has now entered a small problem with Derek Lewis losing that because anyone that Derek Lewis has gone on to beat now needs a couple more fights before they fight for the belt. Um, John Jones is trying to hold the division up uh, hostage, but it's not really working. So it's in that sort of place where we saw when DC was the champion, where they slowed it right down and had him fight once every year or once every nine months. I don't really want that to happen again, because I felt like we were in quite a good place with the heavyweight division, but... We'll have this fight with Garn versus ngarnu and I guess we'll see what happens with John Jones. But not a bad card. Uh, obviously, it was supposed to have Amanda Nunes um, on the card, but she had to pull out of her fight due to COVID, so that will be rescheduled. If it hasn't been already, I'm pretty sure it has. Um, but, yeah, UFC 265, not bad. We are now, uh, I believe, two weeks removed from the next card. So uh, looking ahead... Uh, we've just had August 7th. We're looking ahead now to August the 21st, so no no fight card next week. We will then return with Jared Kananier versus Kelvin Gastelum um, back at the UFC Apex, which is a middleweight clash. Of course, that middleweight division um, with Israel Adesanya sitting there at the top, Jared Canoneer in third and Kelvin Gastelum in ninth, so you'd expect Kananier to win that. But we will come to you uh, with a bit of an overview on that as and when the time comes. That was episode 44. A little bit of a shorter episode uh, this week, 25 minutes. Next week, we have no fights, but I'm sure I'll come to you with something um obviously that following week we will have another fight night and then the the train keeps rolling towards the next main event um so as i said at the top of the show you can follow us on instagram at the combat review podcast on twitter at combat review and on youtube at the combat review channel thank you very much for listening that was episode 44